Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. And the king said, what a fantastic machine. It's a new documentary film from co-directors Maximilian Van Ertrick, as well as Axel Danielson. It's a thought-provoking examination of humanity's infatuation with itself and with framing the world through a camera's lens. In the process, the filmmakers also raise questions of societal consequences stemming from the image output of 45 billion cameras on the planet. That, by the way, is a statistic that came about in 2022. Utilizing the best elements of the archival genre, this often comical documentary, Fantastic Machine, takes us from the camera obscura to the early days of photography and moving images when monetization and exploitation of the image was first embraced. The film will be receiving its North American premiere at the 2023 Sundance Film Festival, and we're joined today by the co-director of the film, Maximilian van Ertrek. Maximilian, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you so much. Glad Thank to be you. here. Thank you so much for being here today. This film walks us through the first 100, 120 years, 130 years of photography and the impact it had on society and a lot of just sort of general background for this film to get us underway in, the, in terms of the discussion the impact that photography, film, all kinds of different medium have had on our society. Very curious as to what inspired you and Axel Danielson to embark on this project. So, I mean, me and um, my colleague were two directors on this movie, Axel Danielson. We have been the camera and the photographic image is really a core passion of ours, I would say. And we've been collecting footage for the past, I mean, we've known each other for eight years and we've been collecting interesting stills, but also moving images or, you know, texts that had to do with the camera, its impact on human behavior or how the use of the camera impacts society um, at large. And not only me and Axel, but also kind of the whole company or almost collective, I should say, that we are a part of, which is called Platform Production, where we are very, very interested in also how we can use the camera in society to kind of, uh, you know, convey experience and, well, I would say, use it for good, to put it bluntly. Uh, and so we had this huge personal archive of interesting images and at one point <laughs> it became self-evident that we need to make a film about this so content really came first and then we had to find structure and that that took a couple of years <laughs> maximilian as i shared with you before we got underway i'm old enough to remember a time when the introduction of color tv and what a remarkable achievement it seemed at the time and along with that came the promise that through television, we would understand the world better, that we would be better people, we would have a greater understanding of the human condition. And as I reflect on that, 
that's been the promise of almost every technology that's come along in the last 150 years, whether it be radio, whether it be recorded music, whether it be a video. I remember VHS, the ability to watch movies whenever and however you wanted to. Uh, the Internet, certainly a good example of just what we're talking about. Technology, the improvement of the quality of life for all mankind would accompany the introduction of this new technology. I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Exactly. I mean, to go back to the kind of starting point of the project, for us, it was very much connected to human behavior. So a couple of years ago, we did a short film called Because the World Never Stops. And that film is entirely made with the studio cameras, like raw footage of the Swedish evening news. So we got the permission to record their studio cameras while they were producing the evening news. And our interest was to capture how news anchors are going in and out of their roles, depending on whether they're on air or not. Mm -hmm. And we really wanted to explore how being a news anchor, and there's a small part of that footage in Fantastic Machine, how that really is actually playing a role of being an expert or being someone that, you know, knows what's going on in the world. But that is a, that is a role that we act. And when the camera is not on, we kind of go back to, you know, being normal and talking about the weather yesterday or our plans for the weekend. And now with this huge proliferation of images everywhere, we really wanted to look at why do the images that you know we encounter every day, why do they look like the way they do? Someone is putting up a show and wants something from the viewer, right? So there is this one part which is studying human behavior and this other part which is the camera that is sort of the tool that is maybe best <laughs> to study human behavior because it captures us whether we are acting or not you know if you look at this isis footage they are they want themselves or they want to broadcast a certain image of themselves and then we get a hold of the raw footage and realize that well these are actually pretty normal guys you know i mean they're just really trying and so i think that technology is always uh, neutral in a way, just like the camera. It's only going to save the reflected light that comes into uh, the lens. But really, when we look at an image, we should always think that there's someone behind that camera. <laughs> there's someone who's taking all those choices, the framing, the perspective, when to put push record, and um, later on, what footage to uh, discard, to not show, what to show. So you're totally right. We have this, I wouldn't say naive, but rightful, um, you know, hope that technology could bring something good. And it's not that we don't want to be uh, fatalistic. Is that something you say? Or yes. deterministic in mm -hmm. that technology, you know, in a free market where everything is about making profit will always be something bad. That's not what we're trying to say. Rather, we need some kind of education as to how to understand the, the images that we consume. And uh, that can already make a huge difference um, when it comes to, to their um, impact. Given the vulnerability of photographs and motion pictures, 
to that manipulation that we're talking about, is there a way for us to better arm ourselves as individuals and as a society as a whole to a better understanding of that is something that should be part of the equation anytime we're dealing with photographs or moving images or other things that can be manipulated. What's the best way we go about doing that? In order to be able to, you know, meet images in that way, you kind of constantly have to talk about them. And this is something that is almost kind of like a goal we have with this film because we're also very engaged in something called media and information literacy which is actually a unesco name where they are really trying for different countries to work together because they've identified this as a huge problem where you know we learn how to read and write texts but we don't really do or put the same effort in school when it comes to images but at the same time we live in a world that is completely i mean where images are taking so much space and we get a lot of news and information from them so we need to be able to be critical towards what we see but also keep on talking together about what it is we're seeing and so every image definitely is true because the camera has captured it <laughs> but what it represents this is where uh, opinions could uh, diverge and these this kind of forum where discussions about what images actually represent that is something that we think is kind of missing in uh, society actually right now maximilian van artrecht what you just said is so incredibly important the word the key word in all of that is literacy understanding the language of the way in which moving images and, and photographs can be manipulated is an incredibly important skill set and being able to understand a bigger picture that would give that photograph context and within that context a better understanding of whether or not it's true is very very important currently right now we're in the midst of a war in Ukraine and this is certainly an opportunity for people involved in the conflict to manipulate images, manipulate the truth. How can we mitigate that from happening? There are so many layers, right? And yeah. we shouldn't be afraid to say that it's it's a very ambitious film and that it's really trying to not only connect a lot of dots but um kind of trying to define different concepts. There are those that are very practical, that have to do with the tool itself, for example, perspective, uh, or, you know, that image, that every image, there is, of course, what you see, and then there is what's outside of it. So we've been building scenes um, around that. But then there is also something that we are very interested in, and it's mass media. And how is mass media organized nowadays, you know, where where does the money come from? <laughs> and that is something yeah. when uh, television in a way was, I think, um, a turning point because, I mean, in the US it was maybe a little bit different, but in Europe we had these public service channels where the state was actually owning, you know, the or had a monopoly on having TV channels and was giving to the TV channels a mandate to inform and educate the people. And of course, you can talk about how best to do that. 
but when we the, uh, then opened the errors to uh, uh, private uh, um, um, actors, there came another logic uh, where where we, we we found those you know this TV channel CEO that's in the middle of the film uh, from the 1980s, who's actually really incredible that at that time you could be so blunt <laughs> on TV. You were being interviewed. Uh, okay, what is the point with commercial television? It's to maximize the audience, at whatever the cost, you know, like it doesn't matter what we show. There has to be the biggest audience possible because we are selling advertisement and that's what counts. Mm -hmm. And that will, of course, affect what kind of content you show. And nowadays we also, this is something that we need to understand when we are watching an image is that what is the context um, around it? Is it maybe being over-dramatized? What are the evening news? Is it also entertainment? <laughs> because they have to compete uh, with um, some other entertaining shows that are maybe shown at the same time. So even key concepts like what is entertainment or something like rhythm. I mean, is it possible to understand something about the war in Ukraine when it's a two minute reportage that is then followed about another one, which is about, uh, you know, the royal family in England or the World Cup in Qatar. I mean, can the human brain process that information? Can we, do we know what to prioritize and, or do we just end up being very tired <laughs> at the end of the day and not really knowing what to do with all that information glut that we have um, um, received? So it's not only that every image is real, and but it can also be manipulated and you know framing and perspective but then it's also the context of where those images are being shown and which purpose they are actually filling is someone really trying to make us think or is someone trying to make us watch more <laughs> so that we stay until the, until the commercial comes <laughs> i want to remind our listeners we're speaking with maximilian van artrick uh, he, along with Axel Danielson, are the co-directors of the documentary film Fantastic Machine, and it will be premiering at the 2023 Sundance Film Festival beginning on January 23rd. So you should be looking for this as well. It'll be available through the Sundance online channel, so you can watch it there as well. For people who see Fantastic Machine... And it was my reaction to the film is that I wanted to talk with someone about what I had seen. This is a film that will provoke a lot of conversation about it, about what it presents in terms of its thesis, its observation on the world we live in in terms of photography and motion pictures and manipulation and such you'll want to talk with somebody about it. I feel really feel like that is a real strength of the film. When we edited the film and finally had to find a way to, to, to be able to contextualize all those kind of um, gold nuggets of <laughs> clips that we had gathered um, over the years, it was inevitable to kind of go back in time because nowadays, at least, I hear a lot of people talking about social media as being the root of all evil or being, oh, things are so crazy on social media. But actually, if you go back in time, the logic 
behind how to use the camera and how to maximize your audience has been set much earlier. It has been set during the television time or manipulating images. You can find that a hundred years ago, you know, these are not new inventions. And this is something where the title is also coming from fantastic machine that we found. And there's this one scene in the film that in nine, in the 1900s um, already, there was this, you know, a French magician, which is also very famous in film history, Georges Méliès. Yes. He's the guy that made, um, uh, is it called A Trip to the Moon yeah. in English? Yeah. Yes. I think a lot of people know that iconic image with the rocket in the moon's eye. Yes. And so he was really one of the first ones to understand because he was a magician and an illusionist that oh, I can use the camera and jump cuts and perspective to make people believe that something extraordinary is 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 happening. And then he also naturally, because he wanted to enlarge his audience and also find newer audience, he went into news. <laughs> and so as he was working in news, he was, of course, because there were no formulated ethics back then. It was also new. So he would, of course, use all the tricks he would use when making his illusions on camera. And so when he does this coronation of the British King in yes. 1902, yes. and because it's too dark in the church in London, he's like, no problem, we're just gonna stage it in Paris. <laughs> and I'm sure he didn't even think that this could be a problem. It would just like, obviously we can do that. And so because he wanted to flatter the King, of course, maybe to get some more work, he would hire a taller actor than the king actually was. And so there's this funny line in the film that when the king supposedly saw the film, he said, what a fantastic machine the camera is. <laughs> it can even it can yes. even capture the things that didn't happen. You know, and there is this there is this sweet sort of, yeah, it's it 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 seems like such a genuine quote of something, someone very happy. And I think that this is how we looked at the camera because there has been a lot of films making that have been made which kind of follow the camera and then follow film history and the aesthetics of that but we really wanted to look at it that how does every new invention kind of get um, um how is it being incorporated in an existing economy you know and back then if you look at some of the texts that were written when the camera came, people were like, oh, it's going to be the end of painting. And, you know, because now we can take photos. And a couple of years later, all the painters would go into abstract <laughs> paintings right. because that's what they could do now <laughs> to kind of be in, like, do something else. Yes. So it just became such a funny way of kind of revisiting, you know, the whole evolution of how the camera um has been used when you just look at how people of course are going to use it and even also if you go to Leni Riefenstahl who in World War II I mean is an amazing example of propaganda and still I think today people or even magazines uh, have no problem calling her one of the most skillful film filmmakers ever because yes she was but then you know, who was the client? <laughs> well, the client was the Nazi party of Germany. So we found that that interview was so amazing because this is someone who is trying to, to kind of, you know, 
tell you that no, I don't think that images can have a consequence. I was just trying to capture beauty. But a lot of the point with the film is to also say, well, images will have consequences. The way we frame something, the way we choose to portray something, if we, and, you know, perspective, framing, rhythm, all these kind of um, concepts that will have consequences on how we see the world and even on how we behave. You know, we're also an imitating species. So the kind of behavior that we see on screen, we're naturally going to imitate. And there is something very, um, what's the word in English? Very, very fragile about that. You know, that we <laughs> human beings, sometimes just by the power of our will, we can't block something. It just goes inside us and all of a sudden, yeah. We are walking in a certain way or using certain words that we weren't using before. Well, Maximilian van Ertrek, thank you so very much for your work along with your partner in all of this, Axel Danielson, for this thought-provoking, probing, vexing questions raised in Fantastic Machine. Again, the film is going to be premiering at the Sundance Film Festival on January 23rd. Uh, that is in-person, and we'll have, I think, five in-person screenings over the course of the Sundance Film Festival. It is, will also be available online at Sundance Film Festival, so you can watch it there. Many thanks to you and Axel for your work here. Thank you, Mike. It was great. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. 